Thanks for joining us for the special Mid-East Prophecy Edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. shares the Mideast Prophecy Update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. In today's prophecy update, Pastor J.D. implores us to share Jesus with everyone before it's too late. He discusses the truth behind the persecution of the church. The enemy is attacking Christians, spreading lies, and trying to deceive as many people as possible before the Lord returns. Counter-attacked his games with the truth of Jesus. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's prophecy update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly prophecy update on YouTube. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's prophecy update as shared on May 9th, 2021. Pictured here is a screenshot of Ken Graves. He's the pastor of Calvary Chapel, Bangor, Maine. It was posted on YouTube by Calvary Chapel magazine, and in it, Ken asks for prayer and fasting concerning the United States Supreme Court agreeing to hear their case against the unconstitutional church closures and restrictions. And the Supreme Court of the United States is going to hear their case this Thursday. I want to share with you something he said in this video, which to me strikes at the heart of the matter. He says, we're hoping and praying that the Lord will move upon the Supreme Court of the United States to actually rule on the merits of these government lockdowns thus settling the issue for the whole nation, an issue that needs to be settled. Something has been done that has never been done before. So if the government retains the key word presumed, presumed right to shut down your church, in the name of an emergency, in the name of a pandemic, if they can come up with justification for other circumstances, and I assure you that they will, still quoting, they will shut your church down because of hate crimes? or they'll close your church for environmental reasons. There's no end to the issues that they can use to justify some kind of government interest in closing down our churches. I would really encourage you to pray 
for Pastor Ken Graves and that fellowship in Bangor, Maine. This brings me to why this is happening. That's what's happening. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about why, and let's also talk about the prophetic significance of all of this. I would humbly submit that this is an indication of the imminence of the rapture of the church by virtue of what's happening to the church. And I'd like to expound on this. I think you would agree that the church today, sadly, is riddled in confusion and plagued with division. It seems that COVID and the ensuing vaccine has been met in large measure with an astonishing success in getting Christians and pastors to fight against each other and attack one another. So much so that it seems as though now our Christianity is predicated upon being either pro-vax or anti-vax. That's what it's come to. Pictured here is an outdoor marquee board in front of the Hawthorne United Church in the Hawthorne Meadows neighborhood of Ottawa, Ontario, Canada on January 8th of this year, which reads, quote, Please God, a vaccination soon. It's representative of many churches today who see this vaccine as the solution, dare I say, final solution, the answer, the hope. The hope for what? Oh, so we can go back to church. We can go back to our lives. We can go back to the things the way they were. Yesterday, an online member sent me this article out of Alaska about First Presbyterian Church of Anchorage, a church that she used to go to as a child. They're now ready to welcome congregants back for in-person services if they are vaccinated. In other words, If you're not vaccinated, you can't go to this church. You can find another church to go to. (laughs) You can come to this church. (laughs) This last Monday, KXLY 
out of my old stomping grounds of Spokane, Washington in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, published an article with the headline, Vaccinated Sections Will Allow for More Spectators at Events, Religious Services in Washington. Quoting, While a slew of counties are expected to move back to phase two, Governor Inslee announced new changes allowing spectator events and religious services to gather up to 50% capacity as long as many of the attendees are vaccinated. Outdoor facilities will be able to add vaccinated sections until their total capacity, vaccinated or otherwise, reaches 50% or 22,000 people, whichever is fewer. These facilities cannot exceed 9,000 unvaccinated people. Indoor facilities may do the same up to 50% capacity or 2,000 people. Are you getting this? Whichever is fewer. These venues cannot exceed 200 unvaccinated people or 300 unvaccinated people in rooms larger than 100,000 square feet. Indoor, we're not done yet, indoor unvaccinated spectators cannot exceed 400 people or 600 people in rooms larger than 100,000 square feet in counties under phase three. Not not done yet either. (laughs) Religious organizations with vaccinated sections will be able to increase their capacity to 50%. Thank you so much. For these vaccinated sections, attendees, listen, will need to provide proof of vaccination including a vaccination card, a photo of a vaccination card as a separate document or stored on their phone, or vaccine documentation from a health care provider or state immunization program. Almost done. Masks. will still need to be worn. (laughs) But vaccinated spectators will not have to physically distance from each other. You're so kind. Thank you so much. Instead, their vaccinated section will be distanced six feet from other unvaccinated attendees. Thank you for responding that way, because that tells me it's not me. (laughs) I'd like to draw your attention to Revelation chapter 2 
and verse 10. I would like to take a moment and explain why it is that what's now happening to the church, in the church, with the church, may in fact be the best thing that's ever happened for the church. Let me just kind of give you the backstory here. So Revelation chapters 2 and 3, we have seven letters that were written to seven literal churches. At the time it was called Asia Minor, today we call it the modern day country of Turkey. These were churches in those cities. And John, about the year 95 AD, who had been banished to the island of Patmos, was given this revelation and told to write that which he had seen past, that which is now present, and that which is to come after, metatauta in the Greek, future. So you have sort of woven into the fabric of just that one verse in chapter 1, this divine outline as one has referred to it. And so the whole book of Revelation is beautifully laid out, starting with the past, chapter 1. John was an eyewitness of that which he had seen, past tense. Jesus Christ crucified, resurrected, and glorified. Chapters 2 and 3, present. That's where we're at now, the church age. Seven letters to seven churches then that have profound prophetic significance for us now. Now what's interesting about these seven churches is that five of the seven churches were on the receiving end of a scathing rebuke from Jesus Himself. And the common denominator with these five churches was that they were all, let's just take the first church, Ephesus, they had left their first love. You get to the seventh church, very interesting church, the church of Laodicea, the lukewarm church, alive and well today by the way. But it's the second church very interesting. It was the church in Smyrna. You can actually, it's the modern day city of Izmir in Turkey. You can go visit the ruins of all of these. I wouldn't recommend it right now, <laughs> but you can visit the ruins of these cities where these churches were. Smyrna was the persecuted church. And actually the name is the nature, because Smyrna comes from myrrh, which is a bitter herb that when crushed releases a most, I mean astounding fragrance. You see where this is going? It was only the persecuted church of Smyrna 
and the faithful church of Philadelphia that Jesus did not have a rebuke for. And the common denominator with both of those churches was they had it pretty rough. To the church of Philadelphia, which we won't get into today, we've talked about this on many occasions, Jesus says, I, I know you're barely hanging on. I know you're hanging on by a thread. I know you're battle weary, but just hang on. I'm coming. Because you have kept my word, not denied my name, implication being churches have not kept his word and have denied his name, but because you, Philadelphia, by the way, it comes from the English word, the name is the nature, philia, brotherly love. This church was the real deal, and they paid quite a price for being the real deal. And Jesus says to them, because you've not denied my name, because you've kept my word, I'm going to keep you from the hour of tribulation that is coming upon the whole earth. That's the seven-year tribulation. And that is the pre-tribulation rapture of the church. So again, the common denominator between Smyrna and Philadelphia was that they were under crushing persecution. Best thing that ever happened. Because see, it's when we're crushed and broken that we have to rely on the Lord. He's our only hope. So I want you to listen to what he has John write to this church in Smyrna. In verse 10 he says, Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. Wait, we're going to suffer? <laughs> Wait, I thought the rapture was, we were going to be taken out. It's going to get infinitely worse pre-rapture, and already is. Already is. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you. Oh, wait, the devil? Yeah. Not the government? No. The devil. The devil. The devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for ten days. Be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crown. I was unable to identify the author. I did spend some time searching, and, but I did happen upon an account of a pastor by the name of Polycarp. He was one of the pastors of the church in Smyrna, he was one of the Apostle John's disciples and served at Smyrna until the year 155 AD. He died heroically as a martyr, exactly as Jesus said it would happen. The year after Polycarp returned from Rome, 
a great persecution came upon the Christians of Smyrna. His congregation urged him to leave the city until the threat blew over. So, believing that God wanted him to be around a few more years, Polycarp left the city of Smyrna and hid out on a farm belonging to some Christian friends. One day on the farm, as he prayed in his room, Polycarp had a vision of his pillow engulfed in flames. He knew what God said to him and calmly told his companions, I see that I must be burnt at the stake. Meanwhile, the chief of police issued a warrant for his arrest. They seized one of Polycarp's servants and tortured him until he told them where his master was. Towards evening, the police chief and a band of soldiers came to the old farmhouse. When the soldiers found him, they were embarrassed to see that they had to come and arrest such an old, frail man. They reluctantly put him on a donkey and walked him back to the city of Smyrna. On the way to the city, the police chief and other government officials tried to persuade Polycarp to just offer a pinch of incense before a statue of Caesar and just simply say, Caesar is Lord. That's all he had to do. And he would be off the hook. They pleaded with him to do it and escape the dreadful penalties. At first, Polycarp was silent, but then he calmly gave them his firm answer, no. The police chief was now angry. Annoyed with the old man, he pushed him out of his carriage and onto the hard ground. Polycarp, bruised but resolute, got up and walked the rest of the way to the arena. The horrid games at the arena had already begun in earnest, and a large bloodthirsty mob gathered to see Christians tortured and killed. One Christian named Quintus boldly proclaimed himself a follower of Jesus and said he was willing to be martyred. But when he saw the vicious animals in the arena, he lost courage and agreed to burn the pinch of incense to Caesar as Lord. Another young man named Germanicus didn't back down. He marched out and faced the lions and died an agonizing death for his Lord Jesus. Ten other Christians gave their lives that day, but the mob was unsatisfied. The Bible, though written long ago, is inspired by our Creator. God chose to speak His truth through ordinary men, but these men had their eyes fixed on their Heavenly Father. 
Their words hold a great deal of meaning for us in our world today, and maybe more so in the times we're in. Much of the activity of this world is mirrored in the pages of the Bible and is pointing to a new era that we need to be aware of. In Pastor J.D.'s weekly Mideast Prophecy Updates, he's been searching the scriptures and the news headlines and sharing with us what he's found. You can access these updates by heading to InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and clicking on the YouTube link. Jesus will be returning to the earth soon to judge the evil that has been destroying it. And that return, friends, is drawing closer with each new day. Pastor J.D. tells us through these updates each week where we are in relation to Bible prophecy and how close our Savior's return just might be. No one knows the day or the hour this incredible event will take place, but we know from the Bible that we've been told what to expect in the moments leading up to this event. If we adopt a sense of anticipation in our daily walk with Jesus, we'll also gain with it an urgency to share the gospel message with the world around us. We're called to unashamedly boast about our Savior and plant the seed of hope which Jesus promises to water. Share Jesus with someone today and join us for another edition of the Mideast Prophecy Update right here on In Spirit and Truth.